Welcome to another episode of Chefs and Guests on the Spoon Mob podcast feed. My name's Ray. I am your host as always. This episode is number seven in the series. This is going to be with Josh Dalton, owner and executive chef of Veritas, also the owner of 1808 American Bistro up in Delaware and Speck Italian Eatery up in Delaware too as well. Uh, Speck is actually going to be moving downtown to right across the street uh, in the Nicholas first floor, first, second floor of the Nicholas apartment building, which is literally right across Gay Street from Veritas. So you just cross the street and you'll be right there. And then also opening a yet-to-be-named French restaurant that'll be just adjacent across kind of the corner from Veritas where like Citizens Trust is and the new Accent Wine Shop. And we go into a bunch of that stuff, uh, talk about, you know, how he got started cooking, you know, moving to Columbus, he's originally from New Orleans, the food scene in Columbus, challenges with COVID and marketing restaurants and trying to find staff and and all this stuff and future plans too as well. We kind of get in on that and talk about some some cool experiences that we both had uh, at different restaurants that we've actually both eaten at, you know, out on the West Coast and stuff like that. So it's about an hour and a half long you know, and one thing that is pretty notable to me that comes out of this is he's a really driven chef. He is just, he's always thinking about what's in front of him, but also, you know, he does see the big picture. And I, I try to get him to kind of pull back and, and realize like he's going to have this, you know, a couple different times in our kind of sit down that, uh, you know, he's going to have an entire block of downtown. It's going to be like all of his restaurants, which is pretty awesome. Uh, there's not a whole lot of chefs that kind of have that. So that's really cool to see, you know, but he's so focused on just all the work between now and then. We were trying to think of a name of what to kind of call it. And my wife, I think, actually came up with it. We're going to call it Dalton Square um, just because it's a you know square intersection. And he's going to have all the different, you know, restaurants and a wine shop and a bar there. This is, uh, like I said, about 90 minutes. Really appreciate Josh for coming on and, you know, inviting me into the restaurant and sitting down. We actually had a long conversation after the podcast, which went unrecorded uh, for various reasons, just because of some of the topics and stuff that we covered and and some of it's not set in stone. But it's, um, I'll tell you one thing, the French restaurant that they're going to open, that thing's going to be a beast. It's going to be huge. It might put a steakhouse restaurant, one of the competitors, one of the steakhouse restaurants that we have in Columbus, like it might put one of their locations out of business because it's just going to be better. It's just going to be better than what they're doing. And you can pull whatever company you want out of a hat. I'm not going to you know, mention them here, but that thing is like a great white shark. And when that thing opens, it's going to be a big deal. People are going to take notice. And that's that thing is going to murder that thing might murder a steakhouse restaurant, you know, one of the other ones that we have. So it's going to be really awesome when that opens. And when Spec comes downtown, that's going to be awesome too. So I don't have to drive all the way to Delaware. You know, Abby's coming downtown. Olivia uh, is going to be the chef down here too. So it'll be really cool to see like, because it'll be such a bigger space, like when Olivia gets downtown, like if they're able to implement some sort of like tasty menu component too as well in addition to kind of like the a la carte menu that they already kind of have and and that'll be really awesome you know to see how she progresses and everything too as as um she came up when we were talking about you know james beard awards and stuff like that in the podcast but that's enough out of me and uh this is the interview with josh dalton of veritas start with kind of just how you got into cooking you're originally from new orleans right yeah i grew up in in new orleans or outside right outside i was a military brat okay um, and then so you kind of grew up crescent city 
And then I think you wound up becoming a dishwasher, right? That was like your first experience in a restaurant? No, no, no. No, I was a server. Yeah. I mean, no, I was always a server. I've done dishes, but never as like, it was never my job. And this is why we do this part because yeah. like that's in some article that I researched and it like has you as being like a dishwasher. No, I've never, it was never like my job title. Yeah. I've done a lot of dishes, obviously. I don't know how you can but you're be. you're never an actual, like, this is all you're doing all no. day in the kitchen. No, I, I served for years and I was <laughs> fucking awful. Uh, and I, I bartended and I was bad at that. And it was just a disaster, me in the front of the house. Like, so did you get into the kitchen aspect, like before you moved to Columbus or was that after? No, that was in Columbus all, all here. Like, uh, I haven't done, like, uh, I haven't cooked in any other city, but Columbus. Okay. So I've, I've eaten and I got into the kitchen part. It looked like fun. It seemed like fun. So I started doing it and, uh, I think it came somewhat natural. It just, it was easy. And then I just kept on getting fired and fired uh, for. Why'd you wind up in Columbus though? Uh, my mom moved here. Okay, uh, and I, I came with her. Did you have family in the city, or was it? No, no, no. Just random. Yeah, just like through. My a mom moved up here for a job. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but and then I, as I started cooking, I realized that uh, I didn't like to be told what to do, and I thought I had a better better way of going about things. So. I generally got fired, and I just decided if I was the, the sous chef, I'd, I wouldn't have to listen to so many people. And I still had to listen to a lot of people, and then I decided if I was the executive chef, I didn't have to listen to just cut out some more. And then finally, I was like, this doesn't work. I got to be the owner. Um, Did you have a moment where you realized, like, cooking was what you wanted to do? Like, at some point, obviously, when you start, it's just this is the only job I could get, right? And then do you remember when it was like, oh, I actually like doing this? Uh, I mean, I don't – I've always liked cooking. I remember, uh, you know – Growing up, the, the everybody would start go out and play and stuff when dinner was being made or something like that, and I'd always sit in the kitchen and watch my mom's friends cook or, or other people. Um, so I've always enjoyed cooking. Um, I never thought of it, you know, like this is what I want to do until uh, I started, you know, in the kitchen. And it, like I said, it came natural. But if I'm going to do something, I'm a all in kind of person. So if I'm going to do it, I want to be the best or try to be the best or, or be really, really good at it. Um, there's a lot of things I don't do simply because I know I wouldn't be good at them. I like to do yoga, but I can barely touch my knees. So why, why even start it? Um, so in that sense, that's how I kind of got started. And I, it became obsessive and I wanted to know more. And I figured at some point, the only difference between a really badass line cook and the chef was the amount of knowledge. So at that point, it was read everything I could, you know, watch every single thing I could. Um, and nowadays, especially when I first started coming into it, it you know, the internet wasn't as uh, relevant as it is today. But now there's so much information that you can get at a, a stroke of a key. But I mean, just reading cookbooks over and over. No one really taught a lot of the advanced techniques um, in, in the modern when we were started it at Veritas. And it was a lot of trial and error. I mean, it was we made a lot of awful food and a lot of stuff that didn't work. Um, but that's the way you learn kind of thing. And you never went, you never went to culinary school, right? No. Did you ever consider going to culinary school or? Uh, no, I was too much of a, uh, I think I partied too much when I was a kid. Okay. And like it was, if this industry attracts a lot of people that I think are lost or, or um, don't really have a, a set uh, that don't really have a, you know, a path that, you know, so it's a lot of people get into this industry because it's something that almost anybody can do or you can start to learn. Um, and I think that's how I got into it. It was, especially when I started serving and bartending, it was, you know, a quick buck to go to the bar. And that's what I did. 
cash then, on hand. Yeah. And then I finally started taking it serious. And, uh, and at some point it's crazy because I, you know, I, I hire a lot of kids and they're doing the same thing and it, it infuriates me. And sometimes I have to stop and remember that I was that kid at one point, you know, it's like, why don't you care more? Why don't you work harder? Um, but it's sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's aggravating to say the least. Would you recommend anybody in your kitchens go to culinary school? Or do you think, well, it's one thing that I'm kind of fascinated about. So I always ask everybody, like, is it something that you would recommend or is it something that you think in kitchen, on hand experience, real world experience is more valuable? Real world experience is more valuable, hands down. I think it depends on the person. If it's right for you, go. I don't believe that anybody should go to culinary school if you're going to be in debt from it. Right. Um, it's just the, the, the amount it costs for the return once you get into a kitchen mm-hmm. just isn't there. Um, and it's unfortunate because I, I, I love this industry and I wish people took it more of a, as a career and a, you know, path to really go down and, and, and try harder. But to charge what they charge for culinary school and you come out and, you know, a, a good line paying cook job is 15 bucks an hour to $18 an hour and you're supposed to pay back. You know, $50,000 worth of student loans at minimum and with, you know, 8%, 9% APR. I mean, like, what the f- how do you, it doesn't make sense. Right. Yeah. So you're in Columbus, you know, you move up here from New Orleans, you bounce around all these different kitchens. I think, what, uh, Bazi Italia, Elevator Brewery, uh, Burgundy Room, which I think is no longer around, probably some other places in there. Were, were those just kind of just stops along the way or did you actually, at that time kind of learn some skills or some knowledge, you know, at some of those stops. I think Burgundy room was probably the one I, I learned the most, uh, at the time, uh, his name is Ben Graham was running the kitchens there. Okay. Uh, he actually works for me now here. Um, and we've worked together for almost 20 years. So not for, you know, also being a really good friend of mine, he was also like my very first, uh, chef that really was a mentor. Okay. Uh, he's from Montreal and he was more classically, uh, French trained. I was like back then, yeah, I think, you know, 2000, I don't know, 2000, 2002, somewhere in there doing, he was the only person doing like the duck confit and, and putting in different techniques and stuff like that, that now are, are very common everywhere. But I feel like he really was cutting edge coming from Montreal, which is a, a massive food town with a, you know, big French background coming to Columbus. Uh, in the Burgundy Room at, at one time, it was the place to go. Where uh, where was it? I mean, that's long that's since The closed. Old Pearl. Okay. So, what, that probably closed? Oh, man, I couldn't even, like, oh, five, something like that? I maybe? think it had to go a little bit longer than that, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, well, no, probably oh, five, yeah. Somewhere in there? Yeah, because they did the Burgundy Room down here, and they opened one in, in uh, Dublin, which was probably one of the things that messed it up. Didn't work. Yeah. But was that, like more fine dining or was that no it was like a, a big huge wine bar that had like small plates okay um, but the small plates i think were at the time were definitely more uh upscale and and food focus and thought you know thoughtful dishes than the city had seen for a while or at the time because i mean the food scene in columbus has come light years from 2000 to now and i think we, we're still light years away from where we should be and where we can be it's just we're getting a lot more talent in Columbus and it's starting to show and it's just going to take time. Yeah. So then eventually now in some of the research, it comes up, you know, you were 
I don't know if this is like an urban legend or if this actually happened. So this would be good to see if you can confirm it. But they always say like you were down your last like $200 and facing eviction from your apartment. Oh, I got evicted. Okay. So you (laughs) did get evicted. Yeah. (laughs) And then that's like 2007, I think 2008 timeframe. And you wind up going up to Delaware. I think 1808 is either just opened or is about to open. And you kind of basically bullshit your way into being the executive <laughs> chef up there, right? So, uh, I mean, they asked me if I uh, I had gotten evicted, lost a job. I had like I did have like two hundred bucks somewhere around there. I don't know the exact to the penny, but it was pretty close to that. And they asked me if I would come up there and be the executive chef. And at the time, it was called D Steakhouse, and it was like these three people. One was from here, two were from Michigan, and uh, I was the only one that had restaurant experience. And by all means, was I at the point that I should have been, uh, I, I could think I could be an executive chef, but anything more than that was, I don't really think I did, you know, should have been. Uh, and then a bunch of embezzlement and a bunch of partners breaking up. And then I took over maybe six months into it happening. And the stipulation was I did everything my way. I changed the name. I hire, I fire. It's for the most part, it's either going to be That's my kind of like when you became like basically the general manager. Yeah. And it was the, the other, the owner at the time was lived in uh, Michigan. So he was had nothing to do with the place, was very hands-off. Um, and I did that for, I don't know, maybe two years, three years. And I came to him, I was like, either I take 50-50 partner or I, it's just not worth it. I'll walk. And then another two years and a lease was coming up. And I was like, he had zero to do with it. And I remembered at some point, like we couldn't make payroll. And I called him and he was like, that's your problem. I'm like, ah, I don't know about that. So, I mean, we made payroll, luckily. And at that point, when it came up to the to, to redo the lease, I was I told him I was like I either buy you out or you walk. I walk. Yeah, that's all there is to it. And he wanted a certain amount of money, and I was like, "Come on, you know, there's no way." So I got it for a ridiculously low price. Um, was he a, like some sort of like restaurant? Like he just had a bunch of different restaurants. No, he had zero. He's never been in the restaurant business. He was a grocery store man. I mean, <laughs> it, it was a yeah, it was a messed up situation. So I, I bought him out. And I took on a hundred percent owner. And I love what 1808 does. It's it's fun, but I I wanted to do some more creative outlet. I had to do something different. And we opened up Veritas on a, a kind of a whim. We opened it in like three months. Was Which, that space like always available? Kind of because I mean Delaware's at the probably at the time was not. It was a sandwich shop, and they left, and then we came in, and the same landlord. So he uh, it was a seemed like a pretty good deal at the time, and we wanted to do something different. We opened up, and we had all these big huge ideas and uh we're gonna do this crazy food and and i look back at the dishes that we did and it was you know avishar me and uh silas uh over at locks were the three people that did it and i look at back at the dishes and it was you could tell it was just super green kids that were just doing whatever the fuck they could to, <laughs> to put out food and i remember we thought it was going to be like this big massive thing and i'm telling you there was times that literally nobody came in and i mean zero well, yeah, like the first, uh, so you open, I think Veritas was what, like 2012, something Somewhere like that. Then, yeah. it was, um, does the name actually come from, like, there's a story that, uh, like, David Yost was in 1808 and yeah. said, and that, so that. And right. Vino Veritas. And yeah, I like the, the Veritas part and obviously Boondock Saints. And I was like, all right, well, let's go with this. And it's, it has easy story, truth, and always being truthful to the food and all this, you know. It sounded good. Um, Did you want to open a, like your own, like you had 1808, but 
I went on my own by the time I was like 30. Like I had a bunch of goals, like 30, I was going to get it or, or, and we, I missed it by June 14th is my birthday. And I missed it. I think we opened like July 8th or 9th or something like, like a that. couple weeks yeah. or whatever. And I was pissed. <laughs> I was fucking mad. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very much, if it's a goal, it has to be hit no matter what all in. Uh, like I said, this, we're working on some of that stuff in therapy, but we'll see what happens. So, I mean, you're, you're pretty driven and we're going to get through the rest of it here too, but do you know, like, were you, did you play sports as a kid? Like, were you super competitive or was it just like, uh, cause like, or do you, do you have like brothers and sisters and it was like, well, I need to like figure out a way to, you know, stand out. There's always like the sibling rivalry, like standing out kind of thing or. Uh, I don't, I, not that I know of. I don't. Just I have, the way you're wired. Yeah, just, I don't think I've gotten that far into therapy to, to figure all this out. <laughs> um. I think, I mean, there's a, I think there's a bunch of reasons I'm a, a control freak. And if it's one of those things that like, um, you have to do, like I was raised that if you're going to do something, you, you're all in or nothing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, I remember, you know, mowing the grass and if it wasn't right, it was like, get out there and redo it. <laughs> you know, and it'd be like a little patch you missed. That's all. But it was like, go redo it. You know? So I think that has to do with it. Um, I think there's probably some insecurities in it and in the sense of, uh, you know, there's other people that are, are more talented and smarter. So it's like, all right, the only thing I can do is outwork them. I'll just outwork everybody. Uh, well, you also mentioned too, I mean, some of that sounds like it's kind of like the like militaristic kind of OCD. Cause like my dad was in the, in the military and he definitely has some of those qualities. Like the, not, not, not even just like the, you know, measure twice, cut once type stuff, but it's like, there's a right way to do it. Like, and you do it to completion. And I definitely get a lot of those traits from him. But I mean, you were mentioning like, you know, your dad, he kind of bounced around too, right? Like in Africa and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, he was. So he was in the Navy and they retired and then took a job with the State Department as an independent contractor. Um, and he lived, a you know, a lot of my life overseas. Um, but, I, you know, he definitely instilled like worth ethic. He had, he had many flaws by all means. Uh, and as, as you start to get older, you, your parents naturally do, but they instill at some point you got to, you know, they instill the good too. So he had an incredible worth ethic. Um, but he was very much, you do it right. Or if you're going to do it, you, you do the best you can. And it doesn't matter what your pay is or whatever. You're there to do a job. You give it a hundred percent or, you know, don't bother. Don't bother. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever get to go like visit? Uh, no, 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 no. Because no. he was always on bases and stuff, probably. So, uh, yeah. Well, he would. It's more like I think he did more embassy work, so he's never really on base. Okay. Know, once he did that stuff, um, yeah. When I growing up, I don't like I don't, we didn't have a ton of money growing up, so I like I didn't do a lot of traveling. I don't remember uh, many, you know, vacations or we didn't eat particularly like at nice restaurants or any means by any means. I remember the first time I went to uh, Greenbrier. My mom's friend took us to Greenbrier uh, in. West Virginia. Oh yeah, the country well, yeah. I mean it's a big resort now. Yeah. Cuz yeah. uh, I think is it like the New Orleans Saints, like that's where they go for like their training camps yeah. or whatever, I think. Yeah, so we went there and I remember like holy shit. Like it was it's just massive and it's crazy beautiful. And I remember I, I ordered a Reuben and it was like came on marble, you know, rye. Mm-hmm. It blew my fucking mind that you could have two different color breads together. Like I remember little things like that being like, wow, how in the hell did they do this? Like <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we didn't, I didn't grow up, you know, eating at nice, nice restaurants. By any I don't means. think most people do. I think most people who grow up like that, like mm-hmm. they might own a restaurant or something for some reason, but they never really work in a restaurant. Or yeah. Like if you're eating like fine dining meals as a kid, when you're growing up, like there's, I feel like there's very few people that that translates to, to like work ethic and building your own stuff. Mm-hmm. At least 
uh, that's why I love this industry. I mean, it's it's afforded me to eat at some of the best restaurants in the world, and, and those, that's the best time in the world. Like it's so humbling. It's easy to to put out a dish or do something or, or walk the dining room, and people tell you everything's great. And you start to believe it too much, and then you go eat at you know Dominic and Crin's place, or you eat at Noma, or you eat at Manresa, or yeah, the number of places, and you're like, oh my god, I'm not that good at all. I got to read, like, go home, start studying again, and relearn everything. Because I mean, when you start to get around like truly talented, you know, the best of the best, it's like, oh my god, these people are on on a different level. So the first three years, like a Veritas, those are rough. like pretty rough, right? Yeah. Financially wise. So do you do you know like when it turned kind of for you guys? Was it you know? I know 2016, it was named Best Restaurant of the Year by Columbus Monthly. But was it before that, that it kind of, you felt it going in the direction like, okay, we're on to something here? No, I think the first year we we opened, we got Best New Restaurant, which was nice. But it was still dead. And then the next year, we got Best Restaurant. Okay. uh, Number one. And it was, we thought it was going to be crazy, but it's still, I mean, the first three years, if if any sane person that could look at P&L reports or knew anything about finances would have bailed. I mean, it. There's no reason I should have kept it open. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with just being hardheaded. And uh, it wasn't the smart move probably to keep it open at the time. Uh, but it slowly started getting more and more uh, following and, and people would drive up. And we always wanted to come downtown or not so much downtown, but into Columbus somewhere. So, I mean, it was probably year two I started looking at spaces. And it was more of a pipe dream than anything else. Uh, and then at some point, uh, Edwards company or jeff edwards came in ate dinner and asked me if i had any interest in coming downtown the answer was of course yes uh but i had no clue where i was at and they i came and took a look at the building and it showed me you know showed it to me and it wasn't wasn't nearly what it is today it was you know gutted and was about to get redone and you looked at the space before that too right like when you're were you like actively looking for spaces just occasionally oh, like downtown yeah i mean we looked at I think where Denmark was, I looked at that space. Um, yeah, we looked at a bunch of places. The old Wendy's or now that's uh, the, the, the Indian restaurant, we looked at that one. Oh, um, Havelka? Or, I forget the name of it. Yeah. Uh, we looked at that. Um, but it's like right in the middle of downtown. Yeah, we looked at a bunch of places, a bunch of things in the short north. Uh, and it... It's almost kind of silly looking because they really couldn't afford anything anyways. So it's just too expensive, too yeah. much work, would have to go in yeah, and be, into doing it. We didn't have the, the means to do it. And then he asked me if I would look at it. And I, I looked at it and uh, I was, especially the upstairs room, the upstairs bar. I mean, you look at it, it's like, oh, yes, I'll sign. And then, you know, I started thinking about it. I'm like, I don't have the means to do it. So I phoned him and said, you know, I'd, I appreciate the, the opportunity to look at your space. I don't have the means to do it. And he was like, whoa, whoa, slow down. Uh, and he's been very instrumental in bringing Veritas downtown. Uh, he's been definitely instrumental in our success. Um, and he's been, as far as landlords go, I, I can't imagine having a better one. Like, he puts his money where his mouth is, and it's crazy. Like the patio that he just put on last year, he's like, hey, you want a patio? I'm like, sure. And he just got it done. Yeah. And it's beautiful. And it's like, it's just nice. Like it, it, he does a lot of, a lot for us. So, so then, you know, they, they renovate or renovate, you know, the whole space and everything with the kitchen over there. Like, did you get everything that you wanted in there or like is hindsight 2020 and you're like, man, I wish I would have put this in. I wish I put that. Uh, I mean, kitchens are at, at the time it was, it's the dream kitchen. Like his, okay. his words were, you, you dream it, we'll build it. And he wasn't joking. Like, I mean, I'd love that kitchen to death. There's things I would change now once you're in it yeah. for a couple of years and doing stuff. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I got, if you could have seen the kitchen at old Veritas, it was, 
I mean, it was the, the cheapest shit you could buy. It was what we could afford at the time. And we had a, a like just a four burner, a 24 inch grill, a fryer, and this oven I got from, I don't know, somewhere in Athens. And it was, uh, I think like a 1964 Blodgett that it either turned on to 500 or off. <laughs> it was one to two. Yeah. And like only the top off. one worked. The bottom one didn't. And it literally weighed, I don't know, 10,000 pounds. That's joking, but it was heavy. It's, I mean, like, yeah, like we had to take it apart to get it out because I was like, I'm not moving this thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, coming from that to this, it's, it was a dream. Uh, but yeah, looking back at it now, I mean, there's some things I would change, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy with it. And it was like December 2017, you guys officially opened down here. Mm-hmm. It like closed for like a month when everybody moved down. Um, it was basically, I mean, you guys started all over. It was really starting a new restaurant, essentially, right? Yeah, it was 100% new. I mean, I had some of the old staff, but like there's a staff of seven up there. We had seven people come down. We hired a bunch of new people, trained a bunch of new people. And it was also, you know, new kitchen and new, f- f- you know, dining room, yeah, everything. So, yeah, it was a new restaurant for the most part. So with the Citizens Trust upstairs, was that always part of the plan? Like, was that always supposed to be a bar or like, why not? make that into another restaurant i'm always fascinated with that space because when i went to australia there's this place called it's called the bank on collins i think it was in it's either melbourne and or sydney i forget which city but it's an old bank just like that but they made like where the little lobby kind of would have been into like a restaurant and they put tables so i'm always fascinated like up there like was this originally supposed to be a bar was this ever going to be a restaurant why not is it not another restaurant so the building has 60 units in it and that space is always kind of meant to be something for the the tenants okay and that we were going to operate the bar um i would love to have that as my dining room i mean no question but at the same time you have people like the mail rooms there the front and back entrance so they got to be able to walk through so people walking through your dining room in the middle of service would be a little weird so that's why it opted out to be a bar okay um but yeah i mean it's it's a gorgeous space it's First year Veritas, I mean, you know, the first time that we came to Veritas, we didn't make it up to when it was in Delaware because you guys were already like closing. But I think we came in the first time, I want to say it was like maybe January, February. I think we did like the chef's table thing in the corner. It was the first time. But I remember that first year, you guys were kind of throwing everything at the wall. Like you were doing lunch service at one point. And if, you know, people might not know this, but you guys did lunch service, you had the chef's table thing. There was a point where it was both an a la carte and a tasting menu. Uh, it eventually went to like tasting menu only. I think there was a happy hour like bar menu that was its own thing. So you're doing like all this different stuff, throwing all this different stuff at the wall, trying to figure out what works, what doesn't. Does any of it work? Uh, down- being downtown in Columbus. Yeah, and- downtown's a, it's a different animal in the sense that uh, I believe that it's getting there. I think we were maybe three years too early. The first, the first, obviously two years are rough and then you hit the pandemic and that doesn't help. Um, but there's not much of a community in downtown yet. I think it's coming with the, the apartments and whatnot uh, and all the construction that's going on, but yet there's not a community like where you walk in the short North and people are walking nonstop, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at five o'clock, everybody's gone downtown. Right. So you're really, you're bringing people back down that usually wouldn't, you know, if, if you work down here, you go home to the suburbs, suburbs, and then you, you, you're not going to drive back downtown. So it's it was a rough go for sure. Um, the the lunch menu we were obligated to do it, and I, it it didn't work out. I don't you know I don't think people think of Veritas as a place to go to lunch. I loved our lunch menu by the way; it was delicious. But um, yeah, I think the first couple of years that we were throwing anything at the wall because we you want business to come in somehow. It, it, I think 
we've been open eight years. I think we've of that eight years, we've got number two twice and number one five times best new restaurant. And the amount of people that have never heard of Veritas is it's, it's a staggering amount. So like, I just want people to, to know of us, come down and, and eat. Um, so yeah, the first couple of years we did, they were like, well, now we have the patio. This will be the first year we have it. We got to figure out what we're going to do with that. Is it going to be a, like a smaller tasting menu, a fresca menu? I would love to do only tastings. I, I think it's the best way to eat because you're forcing people to get five or seven, eight different small little dishes. Uh, and it, it, your palate never gets fatigued. So there's always something exciting coming around. Um, and that's the way I like to eat. But obviously, it's not for everybody or it's a... I wouldn't say it's a new concept for Columbus, but there's not many people doing it. Right. Yeah. It's still a concept that I think most of the dining public in Columbus is unfamiliar with. You're putting a lot of trust in the chef's hand. That's the, that's the key. Yeah. Um, and the Midwest is definitely a meat and potato town. And you know, forcing people, if they don't trust you, to, to try new things is sometimes weird. Um, but I love it. Like I, My favorite thing is when you get somebody who's like, you can clearly tell they don't want to be here. They got dragged here somehow. And when they leave, they're ecstatic or they're happy or they, they really enjoyed it. That's the best feeling there is. I mean, it's, then you decide to open a third restaurant. Uh, Spec? Yeah, Spec Italian Eatery, which is in the old, original Veritas location. That seems, at least on the outside, like it would have been like kind of like turnkey, pretty easy to pull off. Was it or was it harder than? Uh, no, it was pretty turnkey. We changed all the equipment, put nicer stuff in. Uh, change the decor a little bit, put a long booth, but it wasn't too crazy of a, a change, but we had been sitting on that space for a year and like four months and just paying rent to do nothing with it. Um, and if you look at Delaware, what they were missing, uh, I felt like it was Italian food. And I definitely think I had a different vision of what Italian food should be instead of just, you know, spaghetti and meatballs or, you know, garlic bread or lasagna. So the idea was to put in what I thought Italian food should be, which is just super simple, simple, rustic, good flavors, you know, not overcomplicated, um, using good ingredients, good olive oil, good cheeses, and just make it super, you know, fun and easy. Um, so I went up there and opened that. I was the opening chef because we just kind of weaned it. Like I, I'm a big believer. <laughs> I shouldn't say big believer. I just do it where you fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like just, just figure it out as yeah. you go and eventually stuff will fall into place. Yeah. And it, I think it, it started off really well and it, it's continued to do really well up there. Um, it's done well enough that we're going to move it downtown. I don't know if we're going to move it downtown or, or we're going to open a second one. But Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that yeah. here in a little bit. I don't know what we're going to do. Um, so then I think, you know, you got three different restaurants operating, you got a bar, I think August, 2019 Veritas makes it to the, on the, I think it's like wine enthusiasts, like top 100 list. Yeah. Um, later that year, uh, best restaurant in Columbus again, like you mentioned, I think a couple, I don't know if that was the second or third time that you guys got that award, but definitely the first since you guys came downtown, did any of those kind of accolades like any of that awareness bring in additional business did it change anything for you guys or was it just kind of business as usual i, I think you see a little bit of pop from it but not a crazy i mean it wasn't like a it wasn't like getting a bon appetit okay. like it didn't change anything too crazy um, it definitely it helps by all means um and to the wine enthusiast that was you know that's pretty much all greg uh, the psalm here he does a great job with that to the point that we're going to open a wine uh, a wine store but yeah it's it, it never changed business like overwhelmingly, but and I mean then kind of COVID happens. Um, I think COVID kicked the shit out of everybody. Like if you're in the restaurant business, pretty much, you I get mean, your ass kicked. You know, I think 
spec reopened in june it was closed for a couple months or yeah did you guys close for a couple months before reopening for dine-in oh yeah i mean yeah yeah so we it was coming up on our second year would have been march we would have celebrated one year anniversary mid-march and we closed down on the 15th obviously and then i think we reopened sometime in june late june yeah yeah because we went up there um aside from like the obvious you know challenges of covid that is has there been anything that's been like more difficult you know whether it's figuring out the takeout or to go you know because they do that stuff up there um you know was it just losing people or trying to find new people to repl- or was there anything that like kind of stands out that was difficult about yeah i mean I more think, so than just like the obvious you know you hear yeah. everybody it was like yeah we didn't have any business we i think everybody goes into survival mode and now you're you're one of hundreds of restaurants that are offering carry out or to go. And I, I really think that it comes down to like, honestly, thanking your, your patrons for the support. Cause quite frankly, I mean, you can go to the grocery store, you can get, you know, some food and make it at home or you can go to I don't know, any one of these meal kits or Costco. So it's, it really, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, your patrons the people that wanted to support you, you know, uh, helping you out. But yeah, there, I mean, there's multiple things that were really difficult about COVID and the whole finding, you would have thought that with all the restaurants closing down, it was going to be easy as pie to find new help. And it's not, I don't know if it's a matter of people looking at our industry and and being like, you know what, I don't want to get back into it. Um, I think it's pretty clear that as far as the, you know, government or other people, I think restaurants are on the very bottom of the the list of people to help or, or take care of. Um, Even though we independent restaurants are, a massive workforce. We, you know, unfortunately we do definitely have the industry overall is, is underpaid. Um, but we still employ a ton of people. And it's, to me, it's quite clear that the federal government, they don't give a shit about restaurants, independent restaurants. No, no. I mean, the PPP thing, you know, that was kind of loosely like, Oh, this is, you know, an avenue for restaurants to help them. But then, you know, the big corporations wind up getting in there and it's like, if you don't, if you use this for other things, you know, besides paying staff, then it converts to like an interest loan and all that stuff. So, I mean, yeah, and everybody's kind of waiting around for help and they put together like that restaurant panel and nothing ever came from yeah, that nothing. at all. Yeah. Um, how did you know kind of it was the right time to reopen some of that stuff? Was it just like we have to do something like it doesn't yeah. matter or? So you either going to reopen and figure it out or, you know, get through it or close it down. But I think it's better to, to at least try than just shut it down permanently. And that's what we did. Yeah. You guys did a lot of stuff too. I mean, like for those that don't know, like spec, you guys put in different, you know, really nice barriers in between the tables. There's plexiglass in the bar, everything's spaced out. I think you have like disinfectant machines that go through. Yeah. With and, foggers. And yeah. So, um, so now getting into kind of, I don't know, I lay not really difficult questions, but getting into some of the stuff that you kind of talked about for those that don't know, didn't see the articles or whatever, you're going to open essentially a fourth restaurant across the street over there. That's going to be a French restaurant. I think the loose name, or, or maybe you settled on it as Grand Rue. No, I think that's something that the architects put on it. Okay. I'm pushing for La Frenchie. That's only because I have a little French bulldog. Okay. So, uh, and it, 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 my big thing on the reason I like that name is it lets you know exactly what you're walking into. I mean, you're walking into a, a Parisian French bistro, uh, and that's going to be the theme of the restaurant. And then Spec is going to be across the street here. Yep. Right. In the Nicholas building. And you're going to have like a 
pasta room that people can kind of see into. And, yeah, and so an upstairs stuff. pasta, like a gallery. So if somebody's working up there, you'll be seeing them, you know, doing all the, the pasta that's made in-house. And all pasta will be made in-house, rather it's a ravioli or extruded. And um, then you'll have Access, which is the wine bar that you guys are building. Accent. Yeah. Accent. Yeah. So that's the, the wine shop. Where, where is that going exactly? Uh, in the front of this building, which is 51 North High. Uh, you have Brioso on the left, and then the other side will be the... Okay. I can never figure out, like, I was like, why well, don't... I was like, unless they're carving out, like, a corner of, like, the Citizens Trust or something. No. But, like, I couldn't figure it out for a while. So that's where that'll be. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned that you don't know... So you don't know if, if you're going to move spec downtown or if you're just going to open a second one. Yeah. I know some of the... Like, I know, like, I think Abby... Last time we were up at Spec, mentioned like she's excited to come downtown and be a part of all that too. So yeah, she, Abby will come downtown. I think Olivia, the chef up there, she'll come downtown. Um, I don't know what we're going to do with that space if I if I keep it Spec or that space. I love it so much. Uh, I don't know why. I mean, if if I could move that particular space downtown, I would. Uh, I think it's the perfect incubator space. Yeah, it's very similar to what like David Chang did in New York City, where he opened Noodle Bar and then moved it, and then opened I think the second one was like Sasan Bar, moved it. Co- like three, yeah. he had three or four different restaurants all open in the same space before eventually, like this past year, he got rid of it. So if you do just move Spec downtown, what do you think? Like what? Because my theory, and you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, but you're doing kind of the different supper clubs, the different you know, different menus that you guys are kind of, you know, the French one is obviously let's kind of start workshopping the menu for the new French restaurant a little bit. You've done the Italian supper club. Uh, I think you did a, a Mexican one too. So it kind of, my theory, I guess would be that like maybe you open either a Mexican style restaurant up there. No, I wouldn't do that. Um, I could see myself putting something else in there that I think would be fun to operate and run. Uh, it's the perfect incubator space. The nice thing is it's, not big enough to make a lot of money, but you can't lose too much. Um, but I would definitely still do something that's, you know, Delaware doesn't have or would be something that I would be interested in moving or making larger at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I do love Mexican food probably a lot, uh, but I wouldn't do it there. Um, I also don't, I think ethnic food gets a, a bad rap in the sense that people don't want to pay what it should be, you know, the price that it should be. Yeah. People don't understand food costs though. That's, that's like, yeah. They just Tomatoes, beef, they, they cost the same. Rather, you're, you know, Italian, Mexican, uh, Indian, or the Veritas. Yeah, so, there's definitely like a stigma that like Mexican cuisine is should be just a couple bucks yeah, for a it thing. Where, drives me nuts. It's like not. It, no, like when we did our Mexican menu here, I was, was really happy with the way it turned out. I mean, but we took the corn from Oaxaca and made it into to tortillas. We went from start to finish. Uh, I, I like to think that we did our best to do justice on, on it. But if you've been to Oaxaca and you've had the food there, you're like, <laughs> we still kind of sucked. But nonetheless, we tried our best. Um, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with that space. I have no clue. No clue, yeah. Okay. Uh, we'll figure it out. Um, now, you also have Birdhouse, which is kind of the Citizens Trust-like chicken, bar food kind of thing. That seems like That seems like a natural spinoff if it does well. To somewhere else down here like because i mean you're gonna have to have a grab like a takeout grabbing some sort of arm within y- your restaurant group that clearly you're building whether you know that was purposeful or not but you're gonna have to have some sort of takeout 
I think moving forward. Yeah. I mean, the, the idea with that was something quick and easy for the upstairs and to do like a kind of a, I don't know, a pop up. I don't know how far we'll take it. Mm-hmm. But I guess my biggest, I love the logo and I love the name and the idea of it. But my biggest complaint now is everybody's opening a fucking fried chicken sandwich place. Yeah. So it's kind of a craze. Yeah. So right now I'm, I'm leaning. If everybody's doing that, then what is everybody not doing? Let's go that route. Um, I would have liked to spin it off and do something bigger, but I don't know where that's going to go either. Um, I think having, you know, ADD and uh, being dyslexic, I get, my brain goes a hundred miles an hour, eight different directions. So I can't tell you what's going to come out next, but hopefully it's just delicious. Did all the locations down here just kind of right place, right time? Cause I mean, if you look at, you know, Thomas Keller out in Yountville, like the locals call it Kellerville because he's got like five, six restaurants in a row. Grand Agates in Chicago. He's got his own block of like yeah. four or five restaurants. You're going to have this block. Like you're going to, you're going to have three restaurants and a bar and a wine shop all just across an intersection from each other. I don't know uh, what you call that. I don't know if you call it Daltonville or no, no, it's called lucky. The locals have to figure out something to call it. Uh, it's called Edwards being very generous to me. Um, and there, there's a plan for a, another building, downtown uh in the parking lot over there but i don't that's two years away so hopefully there's more to come hopefully we continue to build and you know i do a, a decent job on the french bistro and spec down here and the wine shop does good because if so i think there'll be more more coming so with opening all these diff- you know you're basically going to have three restaurants here some staff will come down the french bistro you'll probably have to hire a bunch of- like you're gonna have to hire a lot a lot of people a lot of people so are you, is the plan kind of once all three of those open, like you're going to be like one day here, one day over across the street, or are you going to be just literally like, we'll just see you running across the street? Like, I hope <laughs> not. Uh, that, I think those are the things I have to work the hardest on or putting like a, you know, standards in place and setting up a system. Um, and that's definitely my weak point. You know, my dream job is to be in a, a RD kitchen, playing around and, you know, coming up with dishes for each restaurant. That's a pipe dream right now. Um, yeah. I'll be a hundred percent honest with everything that's opening up. I'm scared shitless, but I think that sometimes it is a good place to be for me because it, it'll it'll drive me to to not mess up, or if I do mess up, just make it as small as possible. So being scared sometimes is a is a good motivator not to mess up. With what what do you plan on doing? I guess after you know the French, you know you've done Mexican, you've done Italian. I still maintain that. That I think the Italian Supper Club from start to finish was the best menu that you guys have done. Not that's not taking away from other dishes that have been on the, but like just complete. I still think that was like the best menu that Veritas has had. But what's which, what, what was on that one? For uh, you? Focaccia. There was like brazola. There was like a salmon crudo. There's two pastas. Um, the dessert was like a like an ice cream coffee mascarpone thing. Okay, we were. I think we were like first or second week of that. Okay. Yeah. I, was, I mean, we change it so much that I can't remember a lot of the dishes that we Is do. Is that on purpose that you guys change it? So if somebody comes back, like, because I think people might, you know, think like, oh, they're doing the, you know, Italian supper club, for example, that's going to last like two months. So if I go once in that two month period, but it changes, like the dishes yeah, change weekly. like week to week. Yeah. I think it, it's a lot to do with what's coming in, uh, what I can get my hands on, what looks great. And then a lot of it is, you know, the, there's only so many people willing to come out to do a tasting right now in the middle of COVID. And if I can get those people to come back for a second or third time, why not? 
And it's also the more food we do, the more dishes we see, um, the better it is for going to be for spec or the, the French menu. Um, so I think that's a, a lot of the reasons why we change it so much. And I, I, I get really bored really quick. <laughs> like my favorite dish is the dish that day. And then next week, I hate that dish. I don't want to see that dish. I want to do something new, um, which I think sometimes is uh, a little bit of a problem because we don't perfect them. So if you see a dish that is on the menu for two or three weeks, it's usually we're trying to make it better and better. Okay. Uh, it's something I, I really want to stick around or you know have a real idea of carrying over. And you'll see us kind of start to nitpick it away. So what, I guess... Going backwards, what is after the French? Do you have a theme yet? Or uh, Mediterranean seems kind of like something that you guys haven't really done. Yeah, not yet. I think one thing we'll do is probably two or three weeks of a vegan menu. Oh, okay. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with just really pushing ourselves. Vegan is really hard to do. Execute it and execute it well where if you're not a vegan, you still are excited to eat it. That's a, I think that's a really hard task to, to do. So I think that will be, we'll probably do like a two, three week run of that. Um, I kind of have a, a rule for myself that I don't do food that I haven't been to the country of. So uh, I guess the next thing that we could do is some kind of Nordic or I need to start traveling more, which I'm, I'm more up for the travel more. <laughs> um, I really want to do Spain really bad. So if I find a ticket and they let me into the country, I would I would hop over there in two seconds. Yeah, we had a trip planned for San Sebastian, I think twice and both times. Canceled. Ugh. Yeah, so we'll eventually get there. Um, but I mean, like, you know, there's a lot of places I want to go. Copenhagen, even with some of the restaurant closures that they had, like, still want to go there. Hong Kong. Yeah. Bangkok. Know. Yeah, like oh, Thailand would, yeah. would be awesome. Um, I've been to Singapore, but I definitely want to go back. And, you know, there's, I mean, there's every city I think you can find something worthwhile in, yeah. in being. So it's not like. I literally, I will go anywhere. I don't care. Yeah, there's got to be a, a restaurant, a, a street stand, uh, somebody's house that will let me eat there. Yeah, there's something to find. Yeah, like, I'll go anywhere. I'll, yeah, anywhere. If you're like, hey, uh, there's this great restaurant in Afghanistan, let's go. I don't care. Yeah, but so Veritas, I think now is open three days a week, right? You guys are yeah, doing Thursday. Open up again. Thursday. Yeah, that's like six months, I think, after you guys initially, because you guys started back up in August, I think, right? Or was yeah. it September? So it's like six yeah. months. And I was thinking about this today. So it's is there any how do you feel about like you're going to have to rebuild your customer base, right? Because you have people that either left the city, people that haven't eaten out in a year since COVID still won't. I know a couple of people like that and to each their own. Yeah. Um, do what's right for you. Yeah. There's people that are, yeah, there's people and you're still trying to get new people, you know, to realize like Veritas is down here. Veritas is open. Like come, you know, come in, try it. Is any of that like daunting? Like you're like, there's a shit ton of marketing and like work that we're going to yeah, do on that side. There's definitely a, it's an uphill battle for sure. Um, and I think the best way to get it out there is just word of mouth. Like um, when you see a, somebody post something like I felt so safe eating at your restaurant, it's the only place I would go. I'm like, ah, thanks. You know, that's, I think the key to no matter if, if you are worried about COVID, not worried about COVID or a believer, whatever side you're on, the fact that you feel safe in a establishment, regardless if it's here, McDonald's or Taco Bell, like you want, you want to feel safe and comfortable. Uh, I think we provide that. I think, uh, I think letting that word out being like, you can come eat here. We'll take care of you. Uh, we'll take extreme measures if, if we can to make sure you're, you're safe is a huge start. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think that everybody's talking about turning the corner, turning the corner. I'm like, for restaurants, we're, <laughs> you could have the, the best breakout year ever and, 
2022 and it's still not going to make up for the losses in 2020. Like it's then 2021 is not going to be the year that you make up the losses. No, so, not with half the year at least yeah. being gone because of I mean, vaccine still, rollout. And all that yeah, stuff. the struggle's still real, and I think if you're smart in this business, you you'll continue to to I don't know worry about it, figure out things, stay in that survival mode. You know, we may be turning the corner on on the pandemic, but we're not turning the corner on restaurants. Like we're still in the fight. Yeah. So, have you been able to pick up like? Because I remember the first time we came back in once you guys reopened after kind of COVID, like it was mostly new faces in the kitchen and definitely a full kitchen. Have you been able to pick up kind of talent from around the city that from other restaurants or because I mean, obviously you're going to have a giant you're going to have to hire like a shit ton of people in the next like year, year and a half. So have you been able to like pick up people that were like, yeah, I was working at this restaurant and they just closed like laid everybody off yeah i mean we've picked up some like temporary help for certain days that we really need some help but uh, you know that's that part of going into survival mode where you know i, I kept the, the extremely small group of people that we had to keep um i wish we could hire i mean i'd love to hire tons of people but at the same time is you're in that survival mode so we've picked up a, a few people you know to help on you know busy days or like, when we did our thanksgiving and christmas like it was a, a really good overwhelmingly successful ton of people that helped us to the point that I 145 turkeys broken down and cooked two different ways was a fucking nightmare. Like it was, it was like, Holy shit. What do we get ourselves into? To the point that I went to the Hilton, they let me use their kitchen for a few hours. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise didn't have enough space. Yeah. Our kitchen isn't designed for that by any means. Yeah. So and then that's the beautiful thing about the, the pandemic. There's a lot of good that's come out of it. Like we've, I think people have learned how to survive. Uh, I think people are willing to do things that they wouldn't do before. And the help that's in between restaurant to restaurant, hotels to, you know, if you're in this industry, it's like, you need something, I got you. I'll help you, which is nice. Because I think for before the pandemic, it was always, you know, I don't know. Columbus is one of those towns I feel like people like to shit on each other and it's uncalled for. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, the restaurant industry itself is really based around kind of like community. Like it's, it's, it's very similar to, you know, like, like almost like comedy in the sense of like, it's everybody kind of propping each other up and yeah. being like, Hey, yeah, you might not be eating here tonight, but cause you ate here last night, but check out this place over there and whatnot. So, and you see that in big cities in Columbus, I felt for years and years, it was always, you know, people hating when they didn't need to hate. It's like, dude, when we all do better, we all do better. You know, if one person does good, it's, it's a good thing for everybody. Like, and especially when you see other people getting recognition or national recognition, it's great. Like, uh, Avatar going on, on top shelf. I mean, it's fucking huge. It's huge for the city. So if you're in this industry and you're not rooting for him to kick everybody's ass, something's wrong with you. Did you uh, turn them down? No, no, I've never been asked. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it's not something that you would do. So that's why I wanted no, to ask I mean, that just to get your reaction. Cause yeah, I know like that's not anything that you, you wouldn't do it, right? Like that's not up your, if they asked you, would you do it? I guess. Well, I don't think they ask people first. Second of all, I would probably not do it just off of uh, insecurities. Okay. So, um, no, I don't think I, I would do it. But uh, I think they picked the right person for Columbus to represent Columbus for sure. That was sure. He's. I don't. Have you talked to him much? No, I. I haven't eaten at Service Bar really much at all. The one time that we in there, we actually had like a a pretty bad experience. Yeah. Um. And so with that, it's like been tough to like go back. Yeah. Um, we are going to go back just because like we're well, like when that news and stuff came out, we both kind of looked at each other and we're like, well, 
like are we missing like did we just like write it off too soon like are we missing just, something yeah. you, you also know how that so, one time bad experience that kid is a savant like he is smart as shit like i mean he's literally a savant like yeah like i t- uh who worked over there uh jacob in worked yeah, there yeah. for a little while so yeah and he had nothing but great things to say too so we are going to make it back over there and I mean, that was a couple of years ago, too. And it's not that, like, you know, sometimes you just have bad days. Oh, like, for sure. And I then mean, that's just, you know, whatever. Um, so, yeah, we definitely do plan on on making it back. Did you ever or have have you ever considered another city at all for a restaurant? I, I mean, obviously, like, not now with everything that you have going on. But in the future where, like, Cincinnati's only 90 minutes away or... I'd be open to it if, if the right you know, circumstances came up. And, and more importantly, if, if you had the right team and the right systems in place, mm-hmm. I think that's more important, but yeah, I'd be open to, to anything. Um, I definitely, I, I feel like sometimes Columbus gets a bad rap in, in a, a couple of different areas. It's like, in a way, the city's great because there's no natural disasters. There's no hurricanes. There's no floods. There's no uh, really tornadoes. There's no natural fires. And the cost of living is great here. So I don't, I love it here. Like, I mean, it's, it's a great place, but at the same time, I would, in a heartbeat, take an opportunity to, to cook somewhere else in a different city, for sure. Yeah, I mean, some of that is because, like, Columbus is just test market, and it's just test market for all these chain restaurants, and it's, I don't know what can be done, but it's definitely, like, it feels like there needs to be some sort of education to, like, educate the dining public, like, don't, yeah. there's other restaurants besides chain restaurants, like, yeah, I get, like, you know, going into, you know, one of the chain restaurants, like, you know what you're going to get, but you're also not going to be blown away by anything that you have there most likely either. So it's just trying to get people to like step outside their comfort zone. And I don't, I don't know how that gets done. Yeah. Um, it's weird. Cause it's like, you know, you go to Cincinnati and you could just, and Cincinnati's not a big city anywhere near what it once was. But if you just walk down like Vine street through the OTR and you can just like, like they they have some top tier restaurants, you know, like David Falk and Boca and all that stuff. But there's second level restaurants where it's like if you're going into like you know Abigail Street, it's like oh I can get really good Mediterranean food here. And like there's all these kind of like I call them like B level, where it's like you might not be blown away, but you're gonna have a really solid meal from like a chef owner of that restaurant. And it just it feels like we just don't have that here in Columbus yet. Slowly getting it, um, you know, some people moving here and everything, but it's it definitely feels kind of just out of yeah. reach. I don't know. I think the education part's huge. I, like you said, I don't know how to, I don't know how you teach people or make people believe that the food is that important. I don't think it's about teaching people or whatnot, but like there's different cities that uh, value f- food more, you know, for sure. Yeah, it's just like part of it. Yeah. New Orleans, they value food. Like, I mean, it's, it's what they do. Like you, you work to go eat. That's it. So, um, and that's like I was telling you before, like if you look at Japan, that the amount of money they spend, of their, you know, their income on food is it's insane. But I don't know if you study the Japanese culture much, but like they are the best at whatever the fuck they do. It doesn't matter what it is. Like they absolutely, they perfect whatever they do to a T. Like, I mean, you have people working, you know, 60 years to perfect sushi every single day doing the same thing. And here we are, we get tired in two weeks. We change the menu. It's like, ah, well, fuck. How important, like, do you think to go, you know, I know we kind of touched on it earlier, but you know, like I said, I think you always have to now have going forward, like a to go arm of a restaurant. Is that something that you're trying to figure out too now? Kind of. I, I think at certain restaurants you, you're going to have to. I don't know how you put Veritas. I don't. Yeah. To don't go 
other than like the milk kits where you, you have to finish it at home. Right. Um, so I think it depends on each specific, you know, specific restaurant. I think if, if you're opening a new restaurant and you don't consider the idea that this could happen again, I think that's naive. Yeah. Like, so you better have a plan that instantly you switch over to meal kits or carry out uh, storefronts or bodegas. So I think you, if that's not in the forethought of, of possibilities, then something's wrong. If Columbus, if a Columbus chef ever wins like like a James Beard Award, who do you think that's going to be? I've always said it'd, it'd probably be you, but no, no, I don't think so at all. Um, I think assuming the James Beard Awards even come back, yeah. they have a lot of issues with what they're doing. Yeah, well, until <laughs> they take Chicago out of our market, it's not going to happen. I think uh, Avishar would have a, a, a decent chance. Um, I think Dan the Baker for sure. So one of my criteria is if you're going James, you know, uh, James Beard is if you took Dan the Baker and you put it in New York City, mm-hmm. it's still fucking delicious bread. They had a line um, like my wife tried to go there Saturday and they had a line like around the block. She's like, I, I can't wait in that line. Take it to San Francisco. <laughs> it's delicious. You take it to Houston. It's delicious. I don't care where you put it. It's delicious. It's fucking good bread. Yeah. So I think that should be like if anybody should have been up front on the, the list of James Beards in Columbus, it should be Dan the Baker. And it's simply because no matter where you put it, it's, it's going to be fucking, it's as good as anything in any other city. So that's the key. Um, yeah, I don't, so as far as that goes, I don't really know who's next in line. I think we'll get nominations. I don't think we'll go very far. Uh, well, I was talking to um, a chef out west, out in Denver. Um, that episode will come out like this Thursday, but Alex Seidel, and he he brought up a good point like it's almost more valuable to be on the not like the semi-finalist list than actually win the award because he's like every year we would just get an uptick in business once that list came out and i was like for eight ten yeah. years and then, then i won it and like, he's like it was great to win it but i don't now people like kind of almost don't know about not that they don't know yeah. about them but they kind of like forgot i'll take the award <laughs> i'll take the award i think uh i think olivia ham could win it in a few years I get done with her personally. I think she's going to be a, I think she's a beast. And I think that she's got the talent. It's just a little bit more molding. I think she'll, she'll be there. Um, but yeah, I don't know. James Beard. That's a hard one. Like I have, I have mixed feelings about it. Yeah. So. Is it weird? Like, do you ever catch yourself thinking like by the time, maybe the end of this year, but definitely by 2022, like you're going to have like an entire block of downtown. Uh, I mean, that's, that's a weird concept. Come on. Like that's, that's just two restaurants. So what, three restaurants and a it's three restaurants, a wine shop and a bar. Like that's, that's not that much. That, that's, I mean, all in one compact area. Like you could basically spend, you could eat if somebody wanted to, they could eat at a different restaurant in the same area four nights a week. I'm not worried about that. I just worry about getting people down here. That's the only thing I care about. I'll, I'll look at the big picture once we, we have the diners. Okay. So right. it's, I'm, I'm more scared that, we have uh, three restaurants, a bar, and a wine shop, and no one comes down here. I think. I think. I think. Yeah. I mean, I I get your point. I think people definitely come. I think yeah. there's so many spaces when you walk through, like you just go like five streets up, and it's just boarded up. And there's so many spaces that that are available. I don't think people realize exactly how dire kind of like the Columbus restaurant scene. Maybe it's not at that point anymore. Maybe it's kind of on the upswing. But like, like. I didn't know if this was going to reopen. Like, I didn't know if Veritas was going to reopen. Yeah, me either. <laughs> like, I remember, like, it was kind of, you know, I don't know, it was probably like last summer. And I was just like, you don't know how long this is going to go on. And I'm like, ah, they might close. Like, that might be it. Yeah. I think at the, suck, at the, but for, for sure, at the, at the beginning, I was like, that's it. We're done. You know, 
I'm losing all of them. Uh, and it'll go back to if Edwards wouldn't have shown me some generosity, it, we would be close for sure. Um, but I think I think we're in a good position to 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 grow. I do worry about downtown people coming downtown and and it being the thing. If if the city was smart, they would I don't know from six o'clock on make it free parking downtown. Like I understand it, it's a revenue of money for you, but at the same time, the downtown isn't that busy right now. So get people down here at all costs. If you look at every big city, the downtown is the heart of that city, and like we're not. There's so many issues. Like they should, you know, I'm of the belief that like most of these streets should be like one way and then you should have like a walled off bike lane for people. You know, they nuked, they nuked the subway system, the tram system that they wanted to do. And they're like all in on the bus line. Nobody takes the bus. Like, I don't know what stats you guys are looking at, but everybody just drives their car. Nobody wants to take the bus, but people would take the tram. Like Cincinnati has a tram and I know that's had funding issues and stuff like that, but we should have a tram. We're like the 12th biggest city in the U.S. Like we should have a tram. Public transportation is going to be one of the downfalls of this place not not growing the way it should. Yeah. If there was, a, like you said, a, a subway, above ground tram, I don't care what it is, but you could get to places a lot quicker. Um, I think it would be it, it would be night and day difference. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. Um, so we got like eight questions left. Ask these to everybody. Um, who was the biggest influence on your cooking career, would you say, looking back on it so far? Oh, man. I'd say Ben Graham. So, yeah, for sure. I think him. What's the one item in the kitchen that's not a knife that you can't live without? Uh, Vitamix. If they, yeah, if they want to sponsor me, that'd be great. <laughs> um, what's the one Columbus restaurant you'd recommend that isn't your own? Like, you got, you know, somebody gets laid over at the airport, reach out to you. You're not open that day because it's a Monday. Uh, Jutai. Okay. Yeah, or popular any, Chi- uh, any Chinese. Bucket list travel destination, bucket list restaurant. Central Peru. Okay. Craziest thing you've seen happen in a restaurant while you were working? Oh, while I was working? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. It's a hard one. We've had uh Ansel system going off, uh, hood falling out of the ceiling. I'm trying to think what else. Um, somebody got stabbed with a knife. I've seen somebody's, like, they, uh, I don't know why. They're throwing, like, a... Uh, a glove that was filled up like a balloon into a fryer. What was it filled with? Water. Okay. Which is dumb. And it went to the, the fryer and it burst and just exploded everywhere. I, I also watched somebody, they're trying to make like a taco shells out of a, uh, using the handle of a whisk and it had water in it and it popped off water and it like went all over his arm and he did massive blisters. So I think that's it. I sliced my thumb off, like a th- part of my thumb off on a uh, slicer once. That sucked. Uh, Did you have to get stitches for that? No, they couldn't. They just um, cauterized it with like a chemical cauterize. Uh, okay. Uh, food or drink, guilty pleasure? Champagne. All day. Every day. If I could. Yeah, I don't know why. I got really into champagne. It drives me nuts when people only like... Yeah, people think like it's too expensive. Or it's a, it's a celebration. And they're like, oh, I don't like... Yeah. No, drink that like, shit at yeah. eight in the morning until you pass out. And if it's eight at night, great. You had a great day of 12 hours of drinking champagne. You can't go wrong. Champagne should be drank all the time. Yeah, it's it's got a weird stigma against it. I don't know. People just think. I think it's like people just assume that it's just all champagne is like super expensive. It's I, like nah, it's nah. Not. I mean, I don't know. Um, what's like the the favorite dish that you've ever like cooked or created? Like the one that you look back on and you're like, that's when it all started to come together. Like your aha moment kind of thing. I, I don't think I could remotely answer that. Like it, it's a. I have a bad memory, and then second. 
there's so many dishes that we we create that uh, change really quick and over time. And then like, it's always fun to talk to people when they tell you about a dish they had at your place and you're like, I have no fucking recollection of what you're talking about. Um, so for me, it's, it's whatever dish that really got somebody off or made them believe that we could do what, you know, what we do is important, but I don't have a, a singular favorite dish that I remember that's, uh, life changing. I'm also a really hard critic of what we do. So, I mean, there's very seldom will you ever hear me say, I, like, I really, really love this one. Do you guys catalog like the dishes that you make? No, or anything unfortunately. Or no? I have one guy now that he's much more into taking pictures and catalog and stuff, but which is a shame because in, in the eight years, maybe we have five or six good dishes, but I don't remember what those are. So I wish we would have cataloged them for sure. Yeah, it's kind of something I wonder because I remember hearing like uh, Daniel Hum over at 11 Madison Park, like they they have he has like a specific guy that just that's all they do is catalog and it'll be like the same dish but they'll change like two things they'll just yeah. move it like an inch up and oh. it's like he has like he's really like super yeah. like ocd <laughs> meticulous about say, it, but it's daniel daniel hum in 11 madison park yeah for sure yeah. have you eaten any of his food yeah we ate there um what do you think it's it Ironically, the service was not as good as I thought it would have been. That's I always heard is like the service is amazing. It was not. No, I, I don't. And it was before Will left too when we ate there. Um, yeah, it just it was it was good service, but it wasn't. I was not blown away. And the really strange thing was that it was. I think it was like November, so it was like cold, and they they had like a revolving door that kind of leads you mm-hmm. into the restaurant, and they put like the you know, the wooden box outside to try and retain heat and keep the cold out. And like they put like a curtain in front of it, but it was freezing. Like in the front half of the restaurant where we were at, it was so cold. Like really? you almost wanted to put your jacket back on. I've never been to I was like, yeah, I got to fix this because this sucks. It's yeah. really cold up here. I've never been there. I went to Davies and Brooks when I was in London. Oh, okay. And everything I've ever heard about them is like the food's okay. The service is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I went there. The service was great, but the food was like, I mean, fucking blew my mind. I was like, holy shit. And every single dish got better and better. And to the, like, I don't know if you've seen it where it's like the, it looks like a butternut squash and it has a puree and then it has a caviar on top at Davies and Brooks. Uh, I might have seen it like on Instagram. Uh, it was, we had something, we had like one of the things they did. It was just like a butternut squash that they like at 11 Madison Park and then they kind of like mashed the center down with like yeah. a spoon and then they put, some sort of it was like cheese. I loved it. Like yeah. it was phenomenal. I was just like it's like two things. Uh, I was, it was like great. <laughs> I was blown away. And like when the, the they came out with the the stars for London and it got one star and I'm like that blew my mind because it I definitely I could see two stars easy maybe not going into the third and I think the difference between two stars and three stars in my opinion is the level of pretentious service. That's it. Yeah. The weird thing. So the weird thing is with the three stars that I know is that. Every one of the inspectors that reviews the restaurant has to come to the conclusion that it's three stars. If yeah. one doesn't, it only gets two. And that's what happened with Dominique Crenn for like years. Uh, which is horseshit because I've, is I've, she would, she would get three stars from every, you know, all 11 of the guys, but the 12th guy would be like two. That's, and then it's yeah. two. That's how. And you've been there. Yeah. It's, it was, it was mind, awesome. I mean, yeah, yeah, it blew my mind. Like that was one dinner. Like, Cause I ate there when it was two stars. And I'm like, how in the fuck did this not get three stars? Yeah. And that, that's when I was like, the system's flawed. And it's also, it, to me, instantly, I was like, there has to be some misogynistic bullshit going on here. Because I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, 
not only was it amazing, but it had like this elegance that you just don't get everywhere. Like it but was, it's also not like pretentious either. Like you never really feel uncomfortable. Like you're not uncomfortable yeah. or anything like that. I ate there by myself. I was a solo diner, which yeah. sometimes I, it's always better to enjoy a, a, a meal with somebody so you can go back and forth, but doing it by yourself sometimes, like, I don't know, they throw extra things at you and stuff and it's just, it gets overwhelming sometimes, but I think they, they take extra care of you if you're a solo diner. Yeah. I went there, I went to Manresa on the same trip and I don't know how, I don't know what, but they knew I was opening a restaurant and they, they do research beforehand. They fucked my world up. Like I was a blitzed by the time I left there, I was wasted and happy as a pig and shit. And yeah, uh, we went there uh for my wife's 30th birthday like i just booked like a bunch of different like michelin restaurants and we just kind of did like a i think we did like meadowwoods we did like saison meadowwoods um i'm trying to think if we did like quince maybe and then we did manresa so we just Quince would have been two stars at that time yeah no it was three really yeah so they just got that third they might have like the year yeah like the year before or whatever because this was only like maybe 2018 i think when we did this um so like we basically flew into San Francisco, like eight went up. Oh, we did like I think I don't know if we did Binu in that trip either. But um and then we came down and flew out of San Jose since Man Race is like right there. But yeah, they came one of the, you know, servers or whatever, they were asking because it was like May or June and they were asking about like, you know, the Cavaliers being in, in the playoffs and making the finals and stuff. And, you know, are you happy about that? You know, you're a Cavaliers fan and blah blah, blah you're from Parma. And I was like, no, I'm, I'm I'm not from Parma. Like my grandfather is because he has the same name as me, just different middle initial. So they do research yeah. on all their guests before coming in. So that's probably how they knew that you're opening a restaurant. Yeah, this guy's a chef in the industry. So let's let's some of that too. I think is like when you get you know another chef. I think some of it or like a food critic, and you're there's got to be some sort of just let me see if I can break this person. Like how much stuff can I throw at them before uh. like they tap out? Like I'm convinced that's what they do at like co in new york because when we were there like there was literally people down at the other end of the counter and they were like waving off a dish and i was like oh maybe they just don't like seafood or something like that because no they just needed a break and they they skipped the course because they needed a break because so much food is being thrown at them you know i think from what my experience is i think it's a matter of like um if you have something to do with the industry whether it's uh, writing about it or cooking in it or like i've seen especially like chicago is one of the great cities where I don't care if you're a dishwasher, they know it, they take care of you. Like, it's just one of those things that in the industry, show some love. It's it's a hard, shitty industry to be in and uh, taking the extra little bit of care of people that are in it that support us or, or live it. I think to me, that's what it usually is more so than breaking somebody. Like I, we try to either uh, make sure the food's perfect for somebody that's in the industry or writing about it or send them out extra stuff or take care of some of their bills or take care of a, a wine parent or something like that it's just because if you're in this industry you generally don't have a ton of money to right to yeah. spend so kind of like pay it forward yeah situation. yeah last question favorite anthony bourdain moment episode scene anything that stands out mm. you're a big anthony bourdain fan i forgot if you're not it's fine like i've had people on the podcast that aren't yeah. so if he wasn't influential for you or, or anything. i think he's influential in the business hugely for sure but if it didn't like it took yeah. me a while to connect with you know what he was doing and everything. Um, I don't have a particular one by any means. Was um, there anybody who that had like a cooking show that was kind of influential? Like being New Orleans, like Emerald, uh, Yen Can Cook, Mark Pepin. You remember that? Uh, what's his name? Justin. What's his name? Justin Wilson. You know who that is? No. No? I should look him up. 
it's, it's hilarious. Is a uh, the original Creole cook. Yeah, always had a blue shirt on, a, a tie on. Okay, he always say, "I guarantee." No, I do this. Some of the best cooking shows ever. Uh, I just remember watching him when I was little. Like I either would beg to watch him or Sanford and Son, and it was like when, when he talks, it, it's crazy because it's uh, like it's Creole. I mean, it's true Creole. His name's Justin Wilson. Google it or YouTube it. It's I don't know. It's the, the best cooking show ever. It's, it's before Emerald ever touched it. I mean, I imagine it's probably right there with. Uh, it's got to be one of the first cooking shows or on PBS. Okay, so it's probably like Julia. Oh uh, yeah, definitely in the time of Julia. She was on there. I mean, it's she was ever on there, but for sure that same era. Uh, yeah, I don't remember because like James Beard, he died in like the eighties, so I don't know if he would have had his show still on like yeah. years before that. I don't remember that one. I remember the Great Chefs of America or Great Chefs of Europe. You know. Okay. Um, and it was like that super classic French hot cuisine where they they laid down a piece of asparagus. Uh, one muscle and then a sauce. So I remember those. But yeah, Justin Wilson. That's, I don't know, it's the greatest cooking show ever. I'll YouTube it. Yeah, it should be on there. People post yeah. all that stuff. Where can everyone find you? Social media, website, all that stuff. Yeah, plug it. Uh, Joshua, oh no, VeritasRestaurant.com. Um, yeah, I think it's Veritas Restaurant. Veritas614 Instagram. on Instagram. Uh, spec. It's like at spec. Uh, uh, tiny tiny restaurant. eatery. Eatery, yeah. I think. I'm awful at this stuff. I don't. 1808. I, um, we have it on the Beach website, yeah. but you can look all that stuff up. Yeah, I don't remember any of those. Things. Open Thursday, Friday, Saturday downtown. Yep. Reservations through Talk. Correct. Uh, spec, I think, through Open Table. Going to switch over to Talk here shortly. Nice. So cool. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. Anytime. Open invitation. Um, even if it's just you change over the menu and like yeah. 15 minutes can do it remotely or whatever. Absolutely. Um, so appreciate uh, you having me here and coming on and we'll, we'll see you soon. I'm sure. All right. Sounds great. Thank you. Yep. Thanks again to Josh for sitting down and, and taking some time out on a Sunday to just talk food and, and everything kind of his career and, and all that stuff. You know, like I said, kind of in the top of the podcast and even at the beginning, you know, the reason, part of the reason why we do this, at least the first kind of go around with different chefs is to just almost like verify their bio just because there's so much information that's just wrong out there. Like, I mean, the, the one article about Josh said, you know, you got to start as a dishwasher and he's like, I wash dishes, but I was never an actual, just like dishwasher in a restaurant. Yeah, that just kind of goes back to my rant about lazy reporting and stuff like that by, you know, Columbus media and everything, food media and stuff. So it was awesome to sit down with them. Look forward to doing it again sometime. If you go to the Veritas page or really the Josh Dalton page on the website, give it a second to load. There's a lot of dishes. We've eaten there a lot. It's probably like my favorite restaurant in Columbus. You know, them, Chapman's Eat Market are kind of like my top two right now. And then it'll be cool once, you know, everything else opens that he's working on. And give it a second. That stuff will load. It's just there's a lot of content on there. I don't know if might have to split, you know, put another page in there or something like that just to make it load faster and just maybe date it food that we've had from, you know, like 2018 to 2020 and then start like a 2021 and on page or something like that. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But check all that stuff out. There's You can see kind of the progression that they've gone through, too. Like he talked about when they first started out in, in Delaware, they were making they were just making just random shit. And then, you know, a whole new restaurant, basically, when they opened downtown. And you can see the progression of where they went from first dishes to now. When they first started out downtown, like they didn't really have like 
a pastry chef. Like they didn't have anybody really doing dessert. They would do these little like nitro balls and stuff like that. But other restaurants who did that, those were always basically a uh, like a palate cleansing course, but they were using it as like almost a dessert course. And then eventually you see like then that moves into kind of like, okay, it's like the first dessert course of like the two or whatever. And it doesn't count on the menu. And then and then eventually all that stuff kind of progressed and, and went away. And, and now they actually, you know, have really, really good desserts that they're doing too as well. So you can just kind of see the progression of that and, and everything. So it's really awesome. Really look forward to kind of what they keep doing and, and the next stuff that they're going to do. The wine shop will be cool. We have some wine shops around Columbus, but I don't know. I mean, we don't have like, not that this is going to be in an emporium type thing, but I'll try and reach out to Greg and see if maybe sometime he wants to do the podcast. Cause I just want to talk like champagne for like an hour, but I don't know if they'll be able to like order stuff for people like that'd be cool. Cause since they're linked in with distributors or not and whatnot, cause Columbus, like we don't really have a legit like wine shop. You can find there's wine shops, but they all have lower end kind of bottles of wine. Like the top tier shit is, or not even top tier shit, but just stuff that costs more than $20 a bottle. is kind of tough to find good stuff anyways. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. It was awesome to finally get them on the podcast and make sure to check out, you know, the page, Josh Dalton page, previous episodes of the podcast and like three or four different reviews on Veritas. Every time we eat there, just wind up doing like a new little podcast, kind of recapping the menu and everything. Oh, and uh, make sure anytime you post anything for Veritas on Instagram or anything like that, if you do, Let's get the uh, hashtag Dalton Square going. We're going to make that a thing. That whole high gay intersection, we're just going to call that Dalton Square from now on moving forward. Check out all the past chefs and guest episodes. Like I said, this is the seventh one. So there's six previous ones. If you haven't listened to those, make sure you go back and listen to those. Two of those episodes are with Best New Restaurant and Columbus Contenders, BJ Lieberman of Chapman's Eat Market, and then also Jay Clevin of Cleaver. Yeah, we're working on a bunch of other stuff, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, just trying to get all that stuff locked down and scheduled. A lot of people are real, real busy right now with things starting to reopen, different states and everything like that. Some because COVID cases are going down, some because vaccinations are going up, some just because the states decided to reopen. Make sure you follow along to the Spoon Mob Instagram page. Subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere um, that you can find podcasts. We're on there. Appreciate everybody listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Dalton and we will talk to you guys later.